Oh yes, welcome back, welcome to this week's episode, this week's post-episode issues, Game of Thrones Season 4, Episode 4, Oath Keeper, and I have an oath to keep to talk about every single Game of Thrones episode ever in existence. I have an oath that as long as Game, Exo- Game of Thrones is on the air, I will podcast about it. I can't help it. There's too much fun stuff to talk about. And this episode is another example of amazing things. This episode oh, yeah. had a had a lot of uh, sort sort of like the the fallout from the Joffrey death and how the world of Westeros has changed, so to speak, since since uh since this little son of a bitch has been dead and and we've celebrated now two episodes in a row of the son of a bitch being dead and and it's still exciting and i think this episode was a little bit more everyone was kind of bathing in the fact everyone put their cards on the table tonight no more analysis paralysis over who killed joffrey no more keeping our mouth shut about because of yep. stuff we know because of the books it just came it's out there, it, it's out there. It's out there. Little finger, Lady Elena. They did it. It was it, they it was them. Fired to kill the king, and they used Sansa in their plot. And poor Sansa. We are hard yeah. on Sansa. Apparently, from the listenership, they have stated that we are very, very hard on poor, poor Sansa. And I gotta say, she stepped up this episode. She showed she does have some intelligence. She has a little bit of her mother in her, and a little bit of her f- father's uh, uh, heart and going on there. So this is a good episode for Sansa. She's a survivor, right? She's a survivor. Yeah, I thought th- I thought this was a good episode for Sansa. I was I was impressed with her as, uh, on a whole tonight. So, so she showed some brains. She showed that she's been actually paying attention in King's Landing. It, she knows who the players are. She knows that Tyrion didn't do it. She knows that's not what Tyrion's about. She pretty much kind of knew that that Littlefinger had to have something to do with it. If he knew there was going to be that distraction that happened in order to get her away from the 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 city yep. in the in the middle of the wedding, like she, he. She put all that together. She was pretty smart about it. Yeah, we got we got to give Sansa credit. But before we go any further, hi everybody. I'm Phil from the issuesprogram.com. This is post episode recaps, post episode issues of all your favorite uh, episodes, tele- different television shows we'll be talking about tonight. We are talking about Game of Thrones, and we're really excited. You can check us out, check it out at issuesprogram.com, or please subscribe if you haven't already. Please also comment away, tell us what you thought of this week's episode and what you think of the silly things we said. We really appreciate all the support people have been given and listening to the episodes we're going to be available on itunes soon so look for us there i'll get more into that later once everything is available but it's all in the works and like to thank all you guys for all the support so let's get into this let's get into this week's game of thrones episode joe it's uh if we got we we started right out started right at the beginning this week and uh <laughs> And we start right off with fire we see we see burning fire of the to symbolize that we're gonna hear about Danny. We're going to get a little bit of a Danny situation going on here. And it's Grey Worm learning to read. We have we have Grey yep. Worm's reading classes and, and he's really pushing himself. It, do, do you think he's just learning to read because he wants to be close to the girl? I, I think he doesn't really give a crap about reading. He doesn't have anything, he, he doesn't have any like, you know, he's unsullied, remember? I mean, he's free now, but there's only so much he's going to be able to do. And he kind of reminds her of the of the situation. <laughs> he can still love. He can, he can still love. Okay. He still has a heart. Yeah. But I think his heart is Daenerys. Yeah. Not, not anyone's, but Daenerys. He's doing this for her and her alone. He has a heart and a tongue. He can make himself useful. <laughs> this is to show Daenerys that she wasn't, you know, wasting their freedom. Mm-hmm. He's learning. He's growing. He's making choices. He's doing what he wants to do, and I think he's doing it for her. Well, uh, not, for, not for the other, not for Danny's uh, slave girl. Girl, 
so while he's talking with the uh, translator there, while he's talking with Danny C-3PO, he, uh, he, they talk about their home and how the beaches were nice and they were so warm. And she remembers the village and they're bonding. They're bonding over being from the same area. And she asks them basically the same thing. Do you remember your past? Do you remember where you grew up? And he's like, unsullied, always unsullied. Before we are unsullied, we were nothing. And I'm never going to return to the islands because I just want to kill the masters. That's all I want to do. I want to kill the masters. Yep. Kill the wabbit. Kill the wabbit. Kill the wabbit, Joe. That's all they want to do. They want to kill the masters. Absolutely. Yeah, kill the ma- kill the kill the rabbit exactly. <laughs> and then the Khaleesi shows up and she uh, says, asks how the reading's going, but uh, she's gonna have to uh, she's gonna have to take a he's gonna have to take a break for a second and uh, learn about the re- uh, get back to the reading in a little bit. And uh, it's time to let the mission go, start the mission. And then right from fire, we go to uh, we go to water and we see Grey Worm and his little group coming out of the water and uh, running to go into the city, going into the sewers of the city of Marine. And then we go to the... Sli- That's when they got into the previous city as well. They snuck in through the sewers, got past all the, all the guards and, you know, kind of suspect. We don't put anybody on the sewer grate in the back where there's plenty of ways in. Nobody ever thinks about the shit. Yeah, <laughs> the shit gets out of the city. It's like in the wa- it's like in the Walking Dead. Who was watching the gates when a big freaking tank rolled up? <laughs> you know, right, like, right. Come, on, come on, come on. So, uh, so, but they. I thought the water and the f- the water and the fire thing was was evident at the beginning here too. A couple, a little bit of a comparison of going from the fires of Danny to the waters of Marine. I don't know. There were a couple couple of weird fire fire uh, water. Uh, transitions that were 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 pretty obvious to me, and uh, so th- they run in. The slaves are talking, and they're saying that they they're basically saying what we were talking about last week. They don't they think the rumors about Danny are kind of uh, blown out of proportion. Uh, that the, they might be free men, but the masters are too strong, and they're going to kill us. What, what and some of, some of them even said that they had seen this before. Yeah. They had seen uh, rebellions, a couple of them before, and the masters always win. Yeah, yeah, the masters you know, always eventually win. Eventually, they they crush the rebellions, and life goes on. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's it's that when you become institutionalized, the same sort of thing when you're in prison too long, and you and there's always that character in a prison movie or television show that that leaves like Tasty or something from Orange is the New Black that leaves and then needs to come right back to prison because they can't deal with it. And it's similar when you're a slave and when you've been dealt with seeing your kids, seeing the children all die and get and getting destroyed by the masters. They're like, if they do this to children, what are they going to do to us? What's this? Right. What's this girl gonna do? They, and they don't and they don't believe in it. And right there is when Little Worm comes in and <laughs> Great worm. Little Worm, Little Worm. I'm thinking no I, worm. Got, I got Little Finger on my mind. I'm sorry. I'm jumping the gun to our, to our next scene. The Little Gray Worm. No, Gray Worm comes out comes in and he basically just tells them that. Uh, Basically, the the slaves say to them, "You're unsullied. You're you know how to fight. You can be free men. You can fight for yourself. We can't beat the crap out of the slaves. We we don't have training. We weren't we weren't bred since we were children to be fighters like clone troopers from Star Wars. We we're not like that. We 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 have issues. We have problems. We're weak. And he, and Grey Worm just drops a big bag of swords down and goes, "Now you guys are armed. Now you guys are weaponed. Kill the masters. Kill the masters." Kill the masters. And, and they do. And they do. And they do. And we go to some master walking around, and he gets stuck in a kind of like a four-way trap. And 
and and it's all the slaves kind of just beat the crap out of them. And then we get to Danny walking, climbing these stairs to the towers of Marine, and and uh, and everyone's calling her mother. And, and during this scene, I was thinking, I had one quick question: Where are the dragons? Oh, chained up or flying around out in the field somewhere, pillaging villages they're, they're, right now. They're, they're, they pillaging they, villages. Yeah, they're probably pillaging the. You saw them; they had a sheep. What else are they doing? They're I, picking off farmer sheep's in the in the countryside. They. I don't think she's really kept them chained or anything. I'm surprised they're not eating people that are walking around with the caravan. I feel like we've been a little too low on the dragons. I need more dragons. Yeah. Well, I need more dragons. Everybody wants dragons, but you can't only three in the entire planet and they gotta they gotta go feed themselves and fly around i hear you but like this is the perfect opportunity she's presenting herself to the city as like as queen mother of dragons khaleesi freer of the slaves all those 17 other dragons floating above the ten thousand troops there yeah to like to it Uh, yeah (laughs) it's just blue angels right they should be doing a flyover a little air show but don't you see but the (laughs) the way this scene led up to her in the tower looking down like the emperor again another star wars reference like start like him looking at the clone trooper army at the end of there there you had your dragon you had the seven the seven headed dragon of the targaryen uh flag there or whatever it is however many heads it's got the three heads or there was your dragon on the on the flag covering up the uh, the harpy on top of the pyramid. Yes, and as the you want dragons, there you go. Targaryen, <laughs> it the at- dragon. She is the dragon. She, she is. is the mother of dragons. It's- you don't need flying dragons. You have Khaleesi, Daenerys, Stormborn. Yeah, yeah. From old Valeria. Do you know all she her names? Her could you, could blood you, goes way back. Could you say all insight. 15 of her names? She's like a professional wrestler. The master of disguise. The Khaleesi. <laughs> right. She's got like 12 titles <laughs> she to her. Does. You know, that's the only dragon you need right yeah, now. She's like Apollo Creed. That, that, yeah. That's to emphasize that too. I think that's why they didn't give us any dragons in this episode. No, I hear you. And to so, show how powerful she is herself right. at this she point. She is the dragon. Yeah. And at this, this all leads up to a point where the where the uh, slaves or the f- newly freed slaves drag out the masters and to be offered to the crowd to kind of give one of those thumbs up, thumbs down. What should we do with them? Should we let them go? Should we uh, keep them in chains themselves? Should we kill them? And uh, J- uh, B- Barristan takes her aside and says, yeah. listen, a good leader, good leader knows how to declare mercy when mercy's right. And she, in her line was, uh, no, a good, a good leader knows how to, uh, serve injustice with justice. And then she crucifies them. She crucifies yeah, no, she them. She doesn't just crucify them. She has them all pointing the way like she did with the 163 uh, children that the masters killed. Right. So yeah, right. she, and then this scene ends off with I mentioned this before with with Daenerys the Emperor at the top of the at top of the tower looking at her looking at all she she surveys and really for the first time kind of not for the first time but I think this was the the ultimate moment of her uh, discovering her birthright of being a true Targaryen. I think we saw I think we saw some of that true Targaryen. I don't think she's a mad third city. Yep. Right. Is this her third city? She's now taken over. Yeah, I think is it. It's it's at least her third. It might be number four. Her second, maybe. No, second it's or a, third. Second or third. I, I'm pretty sure it's the third. And yeah, like she's. It was yeah. It was Astapor and uh and um. Whatever that. Yunkai. Yunkai. Yeah, Yunkai. <laughs> so she's she's yeah she's starting to really feel she's the dragon. Like yeah. I said, she's 
She's there. She knows exactly she, what she what her vision is. She just she's got a problem. She's got a problem now though too because this city's unlike the other cities. We just saw her kill all the masters. All the masters are now gone. She didn't do that in her last. City. No, everywhere. Every, th this one was a lot messier than the other ones. Uh, this one, right. th the other ones went pretty peacefully. This one was again the first one she had to really show her teeth and really show. And, and as you just put it, she's pretty high on the high on the uh, hippie cloud right now. She smoked a little bit and she's feeling real good about herself. And she hit the seventh three pointer in the schoolyard and she's talking shit now. She's feeling good. She's got she's got her her three really four really awesome warriors right around her for her inner circle with gray worm uh george jorah barristan and dario and then she's got that huge army she's got the dragons she's feeling high on the hog as they say and she shows it at the end of the scene and this is the well, only i like how they're also writing in with you say you mentioned her little confidants there uh jorah and Selmy, they're really trying to make a point of the differencing of opinions between Jorah and Selmy. Yep. Um, I don't think they've agreed on a single course of action yet either. So they're really starting to continue to, you know, butt heads with each other there. Yeah, and we'll and we'll see as she says that she's closer to to uh, Jorah, but we'll we'll see we'll see how that all pans out because. Because as she starts to feel better and how as as, as it seems like she's going to be getting closer to uh, Dario as as time goes on. There's, there's well, and, and also you got to remember that um, that Selmy was on the on the on the small council for mm -hmm. Baratheon. You know, he was on the. Uh, he might be privy. He's privy to a lot of those conversations about assassination and stuff towards when, when it comes down to it he's a lot he i don't want to i don't want to poo poo on uh on jora there but jora is discredited in a lot of ways he was a slave trader, he, slave trader right he, he did everything that da daenerys hated and and he used to spy for baratheon for, for baratheon right he was working for baratheon spying yep. on her so and Shelby must know about he must have had he was on he's the little leader of the king's guard on the small council you know always around baratheon yelling and screaming about we got to kill those little the little the the targaryen kids Children, across yeah. the sea before they come back with their dothraki horde and all that crap so you know somebody knows about all that stuff but he is it's a only a matter of time he is being a little opportunistic though with uh showing up right at this right time once dragons show up he's like oh god dragons are around gotta gotta get on team targaryen now before i get burned in the fires of uh fires well, of he Mount had Doom. to go check it out too he had to he had to go see if the rumors were right he had to go travel across the the planet to go find this woman Cravel. he got there pretty quick though too though yeah he did he has a little hovercraft to take himself over well, the, uh... he must have had gold so he's got a tardis or something he can, he can yeah take a boat straight there <laughs> he can take okay so TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, he's got a tardis <laughs> so so sorry for the doctor who reference he so he goes to uh we go from here from and that's our only danny of the entire episode this episode was structured different than most game of thrones episodes in the sense that it kind of went from area to area we didn't get a lot of like going from one area flashing to another area we kind of went from like story to story to story for the most well, part I, I was i was thinking that exact same thing and it's funny too because a lot of this stuff from this point on there's only i think one other thing that really happens in this story that is actually in this in this episode that's actually book driven so it was kind of interesting when you say that because we didn't bounce back to back and forth to characters much no no we didn't and that was very 
it seemed very much like the chapters that he writes in the book, how they're just strictly one one chapter than the next chapter from particular points of view. Yeah, and I, I, I absolutely felt that same way. I felt that this episode definitely had a little bit more of 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 a different kind of feel. It didn't feel like a TV show. It felt like the depiction of a novelization of characters and of story, especially with Jamie. We really got in Jamie's head tonight. And considering everything, I mean, we, we I guess we, we need to talk a little bit about it. There was a huge upcry, not just from us, where we bitched a little bit about it last week. Uh, a lot of people, including George R.R. R. Martin, had a little bit of an issue with the change of uh, the Jamie Cersei scene. Uh, George yeah, R. The, the rapiness of it all. The rapiness of it. <laughs> It all it was a little too rapey for some people, especially considering, and it seems like even more of a weird choice to me, considering how much how centric this Jamie centric this episode was from the point of view of Jamie being a hero. It almost just kind of overlooked the whole Jamie raping Cersei thing, even in the scene with the two of them. It was just like, uh, no, that didn't it's really oddly, happen. It's oddly placed. We're supposed to be at this point, we're supposed to be. Uh, you know, we had a commenter about it, about Jamie being just pure evil all the time. He's always been evil. He threw a little boy out the window. You can't, you can't come back from something like that. You know, that's just it. At this point, we're not supposed to be thinking that Jamie's still capable of all this evil. Absolutely. He spent time as a prisoner. He's found mercy on the hands of his captors from the woman who he threw out, uh, the woman of the child, the mother of the child he threw out the window, gave him mercy. She knew about it. They kind of talked about it. And then, you know, it all comes down to, but he's just goes and writes his sister. Yeah, but you, you I, break down all of this building that he did as a character and it breaks down in that scene. And then we don't feel as good necessarily about what we see in this episode from him. Absolutely. And I don't want to belay that point uh, uh, too much about you know differences in the book. I know it's a different entity, but ultimately in the same there's the same uh, tenants and the same story points that need to be hit and one of the points that's very important in the book at this point and in the story at this point is Jamie is becoming a hero we we're supposed to really felt everything he went through and show the honor that he shows tonight with what he, with everything that happens with Brienne and all of that and with his uh, his oath to the Starks or uh, to protect the children uh, and that's really important. It's as important in the show as it is in the in the book. So it, it's just as important to talk about it. And by doing that scene with him and Cersei, it does add credence to what that commenter said that, oh, they can you easily just say, oh, I always knew Jamie was a horrible person. And it's just proved it. And you know what? That commenter's right. It did. It just it brought it brought Jamie's character 10 steps backwards. And then this episode, we're supposed to just feel him a thousand steps forward again. And that's why I think that was a kind of a mistake. I think they, they put it in there just in a sense to kind of amp up the drama of the emotion of it all. And because of the nature of when Jamie was there, they had to change that scene up. And I think they didn't think about the ramifications of it. And George R. R. Martin's comment was they didn't, they didn't consult me on that decision. It was interesting. Period. <laughs> that, was like, yeah, that was his comment. He, he said he, he, he made a, a, a drastic comparison to the book. He says that's not how it happens in the book. And he felt he was not that sick of a person. He wouldn't have written that. Yeah. And I'm sorry, George R. R. Martin, you are that sick of a person. Most of the shit in this book, in these books are pretty sick. <laughs> and the fact that you wouldn't be as sick to have that happen, uh, that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> 
considering some of the stuff that he's done in these in these books and the show in the episodes that he's written in the show in fact if uh he wrote but okay so let's get back to the episode i felt like i'll throw throw a little boy out the window who catches the incest between the the twins but i won't make one twin rape the other (laughs) oh on on the you know next to the dead son's body but I'll make uh But I'll make them have sex next to the dead son's body. I'll make That's the who... entire Craster's keep women raped till they're dead yeah make sure that has that Although line that's not really in the book either but essentially that's what craster has been doing to all his daughters forever anyway so well well we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that so uh so i just felt like we had to deal a little bit with the outcry that came from everything that happened because a lot of people seem to have a lot of problems with it including george rr R. martin so so we start we go to jamie here and we start our jamie part of the episode with Jamie and Braun fighting and training. They're a great pair. I love this change from the book simply because the character that was used, uh, uh, we, we found out what the, the actor that was playing the character, the guy that chopped off Ned Stark's well, supposedly, head. That's from, I didn't look into it. I, I read the comment. Yeah, what, that's what a commenter said. One of our, said did that you the, look into it? I didn't look into it. I didn't it, look so. into it either, but apparently, according to the commenter, and we'll take every, we, we believe virtually everything we read, so we'll accept what hey, the commenter said. It's on said. the internet. It's got to be true, right? That the uh, actor had has cancer, and they had, to, they had to change it for the books. But I really like the fact that they made this brawn. Uh, it's, it's similar to last week, and we didn't comment about this, but, choice. but last week with Dario being the guy in the uh, that fought that fought the champion of Marine in the books, it was this other character that isn't on the show. And I like the fact that they made it Dario. It, it it made Dario a little bit more useful in the moment. But anyways, to Jamie and Braun, they're fighting their training. Jamie seems to be getting better with the left hand, but still not perfect. And then Braun rips off his hand and slaps him in the face with it. And, yeah. and he knocks his ass down and we get some cool one-liners back and forth where Jamie's Jamie's like do you like uh, beating a cripple and he's like uh, I don't know uh, I like beating a cripple but uh, how's it feel to be on the ground you're you're hated he basically calls him a twat and he slaps him around yeah. and, and uh, it's just amazing amazing as he beats down a cripple and oh he says I bet you liked killing an old king in the back or something like that and being called Kingslayer. Well, it looked all pretty. He goes, he goes, not very pretty doing that to, you know, using my hand to beat you up. He goes, yeah, well, I'm sure it was pretty or something the way you stabbed the king. So <laughs> and whatever. And then they, and then <laughs> in of, the back, right. in the back, and of course, then they talk about the uh, the little elephant in the room, the big elephant in the room. They talk about uh, the Tyrion situation, and and basically, Jamie goes, "Do you think that Tyrion did it?" He goes, "Well, he hated that little twat, but he didn't do it. Poison's not his style. In fact, murder's not his style. If but if you want to really know, why don't you go and ask him? Have you even gone to see him?" And Jamie's like, "No, I haven't been to see him." And then he tells him about how t- how he was Tyrion's f- or first choice as his champion champion when he fought uh, when he was had a fight for his life in the Airy uh, uh, for when Catelyn Stark had him prisoner. And 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 Bronn says to him, "Will you fight for him now?" And we go yeah. to my favorite scene of the entire episode because uh, t- I just love seeing these two together, and I feel like we we haven't we don't get enough of these two together. Uh, they were barely in a scene together after after the se- first episode when we see uh, Jamie come into the whorehouse to get Tyrion. Other than that, there's very few. I can count basically on one hand all the Jamie Tyrion scenes, and I love. Every single one of them. They're my fa- some of my favorite scenes in the entire yeah. series. I, lo- I love them. I love them. 
so he, well, I love almost every every Peter Dinklage scene is just a gem. Yeah, really. Yeah, he it's was he fantastic was work. And he was amazing again tonight. Just like not being a mainstay character and, and Jamie being the focus of the scene. Uh when they when they're talking, Tyrion still manages or Peter Dinklage still manages to steal the scene from an acting perspective. He just he, his little wise ass comments. But anyways, he goes to see Tyrion and uh and Jamie starts just being like, Oh, yeah, this place isn't bad. You know, you got you got four walls, a pot to piss in. It's it's better than when I was captured. You know, when I was captured, I was out in the mud, I lost a hand, you know, you know. And, <laughs> and 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 Tyrion's just like, listen, it, is this supposed to make me feel better? And Jamie's like, ah, I don't know, I'm not trying to do that. And so so Tyrion can't help but ask. He's like, so how's my sister doing? And uh, and I know what's going on. I'm going on trial. My dad's gonna be a judge, and he wants to kill me. And everyone thinks I'm it guilty. Wants me dead forever. He wants me dead forever. And uh, Cersei's gonna kill me. And uh, and what are you really asking? Did did I do it? And uh, and then he yeah, the dad, the dad absolutely sees it as an opportunity to get rid of him. He won't have him killed. He'll probably just send him to the wall to be a steward or, or something like that at the wall. Yeah, but He'll give him that opportunity or but something. He's, I, I don't see him get getting uh, killed for it. No, and, and um, or maybe even I mean it is regicide. So, and and I king. I do think that t- if Tyrion wanted to. Want if uh, Tywin wanted Tyrion dead so much, I don't think he would have gone to all the trouble with the Sanser situation, trying to get him married and get him a kid and all that. I th- I think he just wants him out of the picture. I don't think he'd allow Tyrion to die in this situation. I think Tywin's smarter than that, and he's had plenty of opportunities to kill Tyrion if he really wanted to kill Tyrion. At least that's my well, perspective he, from come Tywin. On. Really, he sent him. He says, you know, we're about to go to battle with Rob Stark. Get in the front line. Fight with your uh. With your mountain men, with your moon men. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. He, <laughs> he just lucked out and got and, and got knocked out at the beginning of the fight. But I get. I guess I feel like since then, uh, he was the hand of the king. He uh, stepped up. He was. Tywin sort of confided no, him. No. Confided don't him forget, a few times. Don't forget that conversation. That last conversation Tywin has with him. You will never have. I when you were born, I was going to throw you in the water. The only reason why I didn't was because you know you are a Lannister, but. I don't think he thinks he's of him. I guess I, I think I, he, he would have him. He would have him killed or shipped to the wall in a heartbeat. It was just a, a good plan to have a marry Sansa and an heir in twenty years that Tywin raised become Lord of Winterfell. But remember what he said in that conversation too—that he would have killed him a long go, long ago. But he's a Lannister. He's so there's some part of him probably. I'm just thinking that he would maybe rather him. Uh, you know, go to the wall, take the black rather than dying. I think, I think dying is not the preferred choice for Tywin if he had a choice, but he doesn't really care. I, I agree with you that it's like, eh, if he dies, it's, it's not going to keep him up at night. He's not gonna be like, Oh shit, Tyrion's dead. But I think some part of him probably is like, eh, you know, t- I know Tyrion didn't do this. And if I really want that little imp dead, I'd kill him anytime I want. You know, he's more of just an itch. He's like, he just thinks of him as a little bug on his skin that he has to flick off every once in a while. I don't think he even like, Thinks, thinks enough of him to be, want him dead in that sense. Let me ask you, okay, now, so we know that the last time we really get any good uh, Littlefinger, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, is that the next scene? Yeah, let's get to let me get through this, Jamie and uh, Jamie and hold your hold your thought. And let me get through this uh, Jamie and Tyrion scene. So he's so he says to him, Kingslayer brother. We're now how how does it sound? We're both going to be the Kingslayer brothers. How that sounds, yeah. <laughs> that sounds pretty cute, doesn't it? <laughs> the, that, that really is a brilliant scene. There's a it's um. It's interesting the way this scene differs a little bit from the book too. No, absolutely. This is this is hugely different, and in part of it's because of the setup with the Cersei situation. So it has to be different, and and with it being Braun that kind of pushes him to go there. It it's just, it it sets it up different, but it's ultimately yeah. the the feel is the same that they just love each other, and there's no doubt about these two caring about each other or Jamie caring about Tyrion's well being. And he says, "What can I do? You can set me free. What do you want me to do? I'd hate for uh, anything inappropriate to happen." And, and Jamie's like, Jamie's like, there's going to be a trial. And, and Tyrion says something that's very telling, but it's very true. He goes, if someone confessed, brought the killer to the table, told, showed exactly how they did it, gave them forensic evidence back in Westeros, even though that doesn't exist anymore, brought uh, the CSI team in there to, to prove it to him, Cersei would still think I did it. And st- or still, she doesn't care. She'd still kill me. Cersei is irrational and stupid. Don't. You know, and uh, and B- Jamie basically tells her that that uh, G- that Cersei wants to kill Sansa too, and and uh, Tyrion's like Sansa's not a killer. Uh, Jamie basically, you need to protect her. You need to you need to keep her away. Make sure you know, you know this girl isn't a killer. Do something, and then and then that scene scene ends. And uh, that that was a great scene. I I would have could have used more Tyrion, but at this point where he is, that's basically all we can expect from him. We can't we can't just keep flashing to his jail cell. There's right. There's not much you can do there. How many people are going to come visit him? Exactly. He's the guy. That, he's the guy accused right now of killing the king. Nobody's his friend. There's not a single person, and they're doing everything they can to build a case against him. They have a squire. They've come to get a squire who you know, foiled Cersei's last plot to kill him on the Blackwater, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, which Podrick saved Tyrion's life, you know? Yeah, Podrick's that his would... best friend, you know, when it really comes down to it, his his most trusted confidant when it comes down to it. So here we go. We go to... Well, and, and see here, you know what? You're absolutely right about that. Tyrion's only friend in this world, as much as Bronn's a friend of Tyr- to Tyrion... Bronn is a sellsword. Bronn's only, you know, his motivation is the money that he's getting paid. He's now a knight, Sir Bronn, or some shit. But he doesn't care. He cares. He the, cares about the money. Heroics. I agree. But uh, Podrick is the only, yeah, it's a squire, but he genuinely looks up to this to Tyrion. Genuinely, he's he thinks of nobody else is is as honorable and as as big and and or as smart. And he might be right. He might absolutely be right about that. I think he is. I mean, when it comes down to it. He's his only friend. He's his only real friend in the entire King's Landing or maybe even Westeros, as far as I think. But when it comes down to it, there's really no, there is really no one as smart as Tyrion. Tyrion is the probably the most intelligent person in the Seven King, Kingdoms. When it comes down to it, if we if we really had to get through do the power rankings of smart people in this world, Tyrion. Yeah, he's very much his father son. Uh, it's a toss up between. Tyrion and Tywin. Certainly, it wasn't wasn't too many people from the Stark family. They were <laughs> no honorable to a fault where there any intelligence they had was almost thrown out the window. Yeah, you got to think Varys. You know, Varys is up there. Littlefinger's up there. Naive about things to go tell like some of these most. Po- I'm going to take you down if you don't kill me. Basically, like there was some not smart things that went on. 
or Tyrion is definitely probably one of the smartest people. Yeah, going to uh, one of the other smart people in the uh, Seven Kingdoms, Littlefinger. Littlefinger and Sansa. (laughs) And Littlefinger, Little Worm, as I said earlier. Littlefinger, look at him. Look at the Littlefinger. Look at Littlefinger. He's so cute. He's so cute with his little finger. And uh, they're talking. Sansa's like, where are you taking me? What's going on? He's like, I'm marrying your Aunt Liza in the Eyrie, and I'm taking you there. You'll be safe. And then Sansa doesn't pull any punches. She straight out goes, did you kill Joffrey? And she's like, I know it's you. I know you used Sir Dantos, but you didn't. He didn't kill him. You you did. You used. You met up with somebody else, and you had a plan, and you killed him because I, I just know you did. And uh, and Littlefinger's like playing with her. He's like, perhaps it was Tyrion. She's like, nope. I know it wasn't Tyrion. Tyrion would not yeah. do this, and he would not. Yeah, be Tyrion didn't rape me, but he's gonna kill his brother. Come on. Exactly. Tyrion didn't force himself upon his wife. We've been married for months. He could have had me at any time. He hasn't. You know, it, it was. She knows her husband. As much as you, you you can you can know your captor pretty much. She knows who Tyrion is. And yeah. She knows it. Just like Podrick said, he's not a murderer. No, he didn't do it. He's a good man. LeBron. She knows he's a good man because exactly because he didn't touch her. He gave her respect. He treated her like a lady. He treated her the best she's been treated in her entire life since she's been left Winterfell. She's you know, she's getting beaten in court by uh, Joffrey's you know little slave boys and 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 guards, children of men. Children among men, and and Tyrion comes in and stops this, you know, her getting beaten and her clothes torn off, you know. So she knows exactly who. I mean, that's just even humiliating. That's not. That's she knows exactly that Tyrion yep. didn't do that. Tyrion would never have done this. Tyrion was being humiliated, but at the at that wedding, and even in his anger, he would have thought of a way, without murdering Joffrey. To get back at Joffrey. Exactly. And he did. He did just with his comments. And just with, getting caught right. Just with his witty comments at the wedding, too. He just like put Joffrey in his place and made Joff- Joffrey look like an ass without even having to say anything. So so she said, uh, Littlefinger says, no, Tyrion, you're right. Tyrion didn't have anything to do with it. But guess what? You were. <laughs> and he explains to her that the necklace that Dantos gave to her uh, had a stone on it that was used to poison his wine and and she was she said i was involved with uh jo- joffrey's death she doesn't understand why he would ha- why littlefinger would kill joffrey the T- lannisters have been good to littlefinger they gave him harrenhal they uh they uh they, joffrey was good to him did a lot of uh really really great things and uh, she go and he goes uh, if you don't take risks there's no rewards basically he just wanted to do it for the confusion, for the fun of it all, because his goal is to get it all. What does he want? He wants it everything. all. He wants everything. He wants everything. He, and he says that too. And here's and here's the thing. The last time we really see uh Littlefinger Little is when he gets awarded Harren Hall and now he's kind of a lord of, of Harren Hall. And the time we see him before that, he's delivering this message to Catelyn Stark and Ed Stark's bones back to him at Renly's camp where Renly is assassinated, where uh, Sir Loras is then talked into joining 
Tywin Lannister to come save King's Landing. Mm-hmm. It's not far-fetched. And Littlefinger talks about his new friends yep. at this point. And it's, he says, you know, I, you have to have friends, and, and it's better to know what your friends want and they not know what you want, so they don't know where you are, but you know where they stand. I thought the best guy. line in all of this was when he's like, when she's like, who would be friends with you, Littlefinger? And he's like, I wouldn't be friends with someone like me. He's like, I don't want to be friends with people like me. I want to be friends with my new friends. And but Because he'll do whatever it takes. He makes a crack about doing whatever it takes to get what he wants and he'll let nothing stop him and if we remember when he was a boy he wanted Catelyn Stark and he challenged Ed's older brother to a duel to get her and the guy cut him from his ball sack to his chin and you can see that scar you know and that's one of the cracks about why he's maybe Little not finger. just because he's from the fingers and a small guy, but because he was hacked from you, lit- you, know, you little finger. And and this also connects to something I say a lot, a line I mentioned a couple shows ago, and uh, when he showed back up, what Varys says about how Littlefinger's the most dangerous man in all the Seven Kingdoms because he'd burn it all just so he can uh, rule the ashes. Right. Yep. And that's that's very important here. So I thought if, I thought this was an interesting scene. So it, if we didn't know already, as we mentioned, this was already declared. Oh, 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 I want to mention, too, he says about the necklace that she had that was missing a gem. He says, you didn't notice that one of the gems was missing. Um, we don't we don't know where that gem ended up, but we know where that necklace ended up. That necklace ended up with a second gem being crushed out of it and then sprinkled on Dantos's body floating in, you know, just off of king's landing harbor somewhere so that really sets up sansa too so it's not that he's really trying to protect sansa all that well he kind of allows dantos's body to be found pretty easy with the necklace that sansa was wearing at king's landing yeah that may or may not now have residue of poison somewhere along it or in it or on it and so yeah, and it makes it look like she might have killed uh, killed him after she got what she wanted in that situation. So so if we didn't know already who was responsible for this, uh, and if it isn't obvious in what happens in the scene right after this, it was just the way they faded after Littlefinger's talking about his new friends and talking about his new friends. It uh, to to Marjorie and Lady Elena, Lady uh, Lady Elena's leaving and she's leaving Marjorie at King's Landing. Nothing's worse than a trial, except uh, King's Landing's garden gardens. Haha, <laughs> she can't stand it. She is, she is, she can't wait to get her butt out of uh, out of this area and get back to to her home where it's all beautiful and everything. And and she was. She talks about how if Marjorie's getting close to Tommen yet. And and how she needs to she needs to cozy up to Tommen and uh, get her get her claws in there before Cersei does because Cersei's distracted with the rage for Tyrion right now and re- not really paying attention to Tommen and realizing he's going to be king. So get this marriage underway. You're going to marry him. Get your claws in now. See what kind of boy he is. And then she basically says, "Do you think I'd let you marry someone like Joffrey? Do you think I'd do that? Uh, yes, I'm responsible for Joffrey's death." I protected you. That's what I did. I did it for you. Drop the microphone. Yep. She just drops the microphone right there. Bam. I did it. No no worrying about it. No speaking. This is what I like about the show other than the books. The show comes straight out and tells you. Comes straight out and tell, <laughs> yeah, they, didn't, and, they didn't waste any time. She was like, yeah, I wasn't going to let that happen. Yeah. I'm not letting you marry that. Happen one bit. I'm not letting you marry that little psychopath. No, I'm not doing that to you. No way. 
He's dead. That's it. He's dead. I killed him for you. And yeah, I, he would have had his king's guard run a train on you before he even came anywhere near putting seed in your belly. Do you think so, though? Honestly, do you think? Do I, yes. Some part of me thinks Joffrey would have been nicer to that chick because he never would have done any of the. Uh, then why did he agree to do any of that charity stuff for her? I think he might have been a little nicer to her. No, I think he he has no interest in her whatsoever. He had absolutely no interest in women whatsoever. His only interest is to is to hurt and to and to kill. He wants to kill little animals and everything. He wants to skin Toman's cat. Yeah, poor to him. poor Tom Toman. Poor Toman. He's going to be a much better king. I can already tell. So I'm surprised Joffrey didn't have Toman killed before he he even got married. Right after he was coronated, in an attempt to solidify that Toman would never do anything to him in the future to become king. Yeah, I'm sure once he got a little older and he actually thought about it, he probably would have. Once people started to like Toman, when Toman got a little older, Joffrey would have killed him eventually. Probably. Absolutely. And Lady Elena has a good line here where she says, Cersei's mean, but not stupid. Uh, she, 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 uh, she's going to figure it out what you're doing and she's going to get her hands in Toman soon. So hurry up, Marjorie. Go, 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 uh, go meet your new husband. Go, go do it. I had. She also tells her a little story about how she was able to manipulate people back in the day when she was a young, beautiful woman yeah. and got to marry who she wanted to marry. And, and, you know, she was good. She was good very she good. Was. Yeah, she was very good. Marjorie's better, but she was very good. Well, you know she's good at playing the game. I mean, look at she's a an old woman in Westeros. That's got to be a hard thing to achieve, and she's in control of the Flowers Nation down there, and uh, you know High Garden. So yeah, she stole her sister's fiance. Is what she did. That's what she did. Uh -huh. She stole her sister's fiance because she didn't want to marry a Targaryen because she didn't like that silly silver hair that looked stupid and and he was a uh, twit he was twitchy and uh, <laughs> you know she was very she knows, how to, she knows how to play the game she's been playing it for a long time and now she's telling her daughter you know or her granddaughter you need to go out. And you're going to be just as good, if not better, than I was. You're going to go out. You're going to sink your little hooks into this tome. And boy, this is your next, this is the next king you're going to marry. <laughs> I know this next king. Wife of three kings now. Oh, you know? poor, poor tome. And hopefully, third time's not the charm. Not three strikes and you're out type of situation going here. <laughs> I feel bad for this kid. I feel bad for this kid. Talk about the war of the five kings. Yeah. Jesus, how many kings are going to be with her? Yeah, but by, by the time she's done, it'll be that's like a horror movie. Don't go anywhere near her. <laughs> Maybe the cure, maybe the cure is inside. Once you you just gotta get in there. Maybe that's the cure. Maybe maybe she's trying to fix the issue with Toman. We'll get to that scene, but she's gonna try to bang him early. So uh, so she so no matter what, she's got a king in her belly there going on. So so we go to some much needed Jon Snow at the Wall training people to fight wildlings, and the walls being built up and and uh. Inf the infrastructure is being uh, hooked up a little bit, pimped out. And uh, Jon Snow's being a badass, and uh, he's teaching a bunch of people how to fight. And this uh, this little kid wants to fight. He was the best archer in his town. But, he uh, was the kid that got that they were going to eat his parents. Oh, that was that kid. Okay. Okay, I didn't connect it. That was that kid. Okay. Yeah. And, and watch and learn. And, and then who pops up? We see Locke. 
uh, the guy who chopped off Jamie's hand, one of the Bolton men. Hmm. Yep. He, he's there helping, and, and he uh, steps up to go to the training seminar, and he just kicks the shit out of one of the men in, one of the men in black. And, and uh, Jon Snow walks up to him and goes, oh, wow, you can fight. And he goes, you can too. Blah, blah, blah. You, are you highborn? What, what, what's going on with you? He's like, no, Jon Snow, my dad was uh, highborn, but I'm not. Blah, blah, blah. And and this guy in Locke says, yeah, I'm joining the black. I want to uh, I'm I'm he's, he hasn't taken his vows yet, but he's there and he wants to uh, become one of them. And yeah, made up some bullshit story about why he's there, why he got arrested and sent there. Yeah, and and if anyone soon forget, because I I was watching with someone that didn't connect the dots right there, so I can understand how some people, some other people might not. He works for Roose Bolton, and he works for uh, the uh, he's who's Roose Bolton is the guy that has Reek, I mean Theon Greyjoy right now, and and had said the last time we saw him, well, Ramsey Ramsey is the Ramsey psychopath. Snow. Bastard Ramsey son. Bolton is the psychopath that cut off his cock. Snow. Ramsey Snow. <laughs> Roos is the father. Yes, but we of kn- the psychopath, psychopath. The the who's a bastard of his. But the last time so. we saw them, they sent. They said they talked about Jon Snow and they talked about right. wanting about to- the kids being alive and yep. needing to go get Theon was was being told that you know Jon Stark was dead and all that and and uh, that and they told the father. As he was shaving, Joe, you just—I have a question for you. You just—you just did something in passing by accident, and it happened tonight too. Someone actually called Jon Snow tonight, Jon Stark. That act- right. I said that too during the during the broadcast, and, and it and it struck me, and it made sense. Uh, I was going to get to that later because that's later on. Yeah, it's later on the episode. In the, it's in the episode, but yeah, yeah. I did. I just do it right now. Yeah, you did, and you also and you also called Ramsey Snow Ramsey Bolted quickly with, without thinking. But it was it was interesting that uh, that that uh, that that well, happened to Ramsey Snow, and that would and I wouldn't have had to say that he was his bastard son because yeah. I would have called him Ramsey Snow. Ramsey Snow. But it was interesting that they called uh, John Snow John John uh, Stark tonight. I, I, that was weird. It took me aback. I had to rewind it well, for a second. And that's and that's just to show you that people who are lowborn know that he's not lowborn, know that even though he's a Snow, he's still a Stark. He's still, you know, uh, his uncle is a Stark who was there who disappeared in season one. Yep. You know, we meet Eddard's brother, other brother, who disappears beyond the wall. So it's, um, it's, it's no doubt that other people lower born up at this wall are going to look at him like he's a Stark and not a Snow. No matter how much he introduces himself as a Snow, he is Eddard Stark's son. Oh, by the way, if anyone that's in the in the chat room right now listening, or if at any point you're listening, please comment away on this video on YouTube if you have anything to say about what we're talking about or anything about the episode. And if you comment during the episode, we will get to your comment at the end of the show and answer, answer your question. So we go from here to Cersei drinking, and she's getting really, really drunk. And Jamie comes in, and she's like, how many men are guarding our future king? One man? We need more men like that. Uh, and then we have... Cersei being amazing. Uh, why did Cat and Stark let you go? I've been thinking about that since that big cow behemoth brought you back. <laughs> the cow. The cow behemoth. He, she doesn't Brianna. just. Poor just she doesn't just say cow. She's like that big cow brought you back. <laughs> Classic Cersei. It was just like an evil, like backhanded line. No talk about the rape. Nothing about that. Just just being catty about uh, Brienne bringing her back. 
and why did she bring you back? And said he said because I told Catelyn Stark I'd help uh, give her, get her daughters back. And she and Cersei's like, did you promise? Did you make a vow to our enemy, a solemn vow to our enemy? A solemn oath, right? Solemn oath. And he's like, yeah, because I wanted to get back to you. And and she's like, well. Catelyn Stark's dead, so your oath means shit now. So why don't you get that, get Sansa Stark and get that murdering bitch and cut her head off to me and deliver her head so I can serve it to someone for breakfast or something? So perfect, like uh, Joffrey comparison. She said something like, well, I, does, he, "Does she does she talk about Tyrion first before before she talks about Sansa?" Um, I believe she says it was right afterwards. Then right after she says that, she goes, "You saw Tyrion. Uh, that that's the guy that murdered well, our son." Well, does- Okay, so but does she she's kind of says to him too like, so you made an oath to protect and if and if Catelyn Stark was still alive and you made an oath to protect Sansa Stark, but I, you would and I told you to go out and cut her crack her down and cut her head off for killing your king for killing our son, who he stops Tyrion from saying up in the chamber in the in the in the dungeon talking about uh, the the dead king as as you know his son. Cersei says it again, straight out, like she did in the in the death chamber there at the temple. They talk about their son being dead. Mm-hmm. No, there's a, there's a couple so, of remind couple of reminders if people didn't if people forgot. <laughs> right, and you know she says, "Would you would you cut a would you go cut her head off? You made an oath to her." Yep. You know what would you do? And she says, "You saw Tyrion. That that guy murdered our son." And uh, Jamie says, "He said he didn't do it." And she said, "You always painted him the poor boy. Uh, he would kill. He would kill both of us if he could." And uh, and the whole scene basically just uh, she keeps calling him. Uh, sir- well, no, she admits. She admits too. She's like the poor the poor boy hated by his evil sister and father for his life. You know, for his whole life, blamed for. Like she says straight up, me and dad hate him. Hate his guts completely. And it's also why you love him so much. It's also worth mentioning that he, she doesn't even call him Jamie in the scene. She calls him uh, Sir Night Night's Guard, uh, Captain of the Night's Guard. She refers to yeah. him as not even by name, Lord Commander. Lord Commander, she calls him, and and then she says, "I want four men at Tomlin's door every day, day and night. That'll be all, Lord Commander." And we go to Tomlin in bed, and well, no, no, we also we also see her. She says, "You know," she says, "He says." Tyrion didn't do this. No, yeah, he. I said he that he did. Out that it wasn't him. Yeah, and she, and yeah. that's when that's when she says you always take his side and everything like that. Yeah. So, so we go to Tomlin in bed, and uh, and it looking at a uh, boar's head in the in the sky, getting ready to masturbate to the board. No, I don't know what he's doing. He's he's he hasn't gone through puberty yet, and he caught well, something. He caught something. He calls for. Yeah, he calls. He calls for his knight. Yep. Calls for his night, and he's kind of freaked out. <laughs> and it's no, no, it's Marjorie. She got past the king's guard. She's sneaking into his bedroom. She goes, "I'm not a just. I'm not a strange visitor. I'm your future bride, and I wanted to meet you before before we decide to spend our life together." And she's kind of seducing him, giving him flirty eyes. Every 11, 12 year old boy's dream is happening right now. Oh, oh my God, dear Please penthouse give me forum. A hand yeah. Job. Please give me yeah. a hand. I, I was hoping she was going to give him something by the end, and <laughs> it was. This was getting sexy. This was. This was reminding me of my childhood fantasy going on right here. Oh, Oh, yeah. And uh, the, the princess, the queen comes to visit you at, at night. Oh, yeah. And she's like, and she, he's like, uh, the queen, my mom wouldn't like this. And, and, he, and she's like, no, this is our little secret. And I'm going to be your wife. So, so your grace, tell me, tell me a secret. And he's like, oh, yeah. 
just like any professional pedophile, this is our little secret. You yeah. know, don't tell anybody about our meeting in the middle of the night. Yeah, but know? do you know what his little secret was? Then it was pussycat time, and that's when the kitty shows up. Oh, it's oh, it's a Sir little kid. Sir Pounce. Oh, what a perfect little name. I love this kid. I love this Tommen. <laughs> He's my favorite Lannister, second favorite Lannister next to Tyrion. I, I love this kid. Sir Pounce could have been dinner, though. Maybe. Joffrey always said he was going to feed my cat to me. Yeah, he was going to skin him alive and feed his cat. And and Marjorie says, well, he was cruel. You don't strike me as cruel. And uh, when I marry, I want us to be forever. It, can, I, can I come and visit you again? And uh, remember our secret. And he smiles and gives a little flirt. And then she goes in for the kiss and looks like she's going to give him the kiss. And then she just instead she just kisses him on the head. And then do you know what happens? Tomlin goes through puberty right there, right there in that moment. Tomlin, Tomlin gets his first erection. Yeah, you got oh his first. Oh my god! Oh my yeah, god! I said, I said bullshit. That scene ends with her leaving. He rolls over to go to sleep. Yeah, sure he rolls yeah. over. Sure he rolls Pants over. Off blankets gone. Yep. The, the, He's rip his penis off. I'm, gonna... I'm sorry, it's happening. Uh, we've all been there. We're boys. Most most of the people listening to this podcast are boys. We don't want to disrespect you girls, but let's be honest. Twelve year old boy, that happens to a twelve year old boy, eleven year old boy. How old he's gonna be? The, Ten, seven. Yeah, that that kid's that kid's touching himself. There's there's no doubt that that's happening right there. Yep. So, so speak- the night that he made himself a man. <laughs> Spe- speaking of sword stroking, we go to Brienne of Tarth reading a book about Jamie and uh, kind of a, a recreation of the scene we had with Joffrey oh, a couple of weeks right. ago, reading about uh, all the duties that uh, that Sir Jamie Lannister did in the book. And Jamie says, "There's still room for mine. There's still more time for me, for good deeds for my for my page." Again, he feels the opposite of what Joffrey was trying to make him feel. He feels like he does have a second life now and a second opportunity. So then he goes outside and or goes in hand and shows uh, shows Brienne of Tarth the sword that Tywin forged for him from Ned Stark's sword. And he gives it to her and says, this is yours. And she's like, Valerian steel. You're giving me Valerian steel. And she's like, yep, I'm giving you Valerian. He's Valerian steel. Let's think about that book, too, for a second real quick. Mm-hmm. There is more to be put in there. Not only is he the Kingslayer, not only did he slay the, the last king that he worked for, but... He's also head of the King's Guard. Well, the next king was murdered right in front of him at, at his own wedding. Yeah. To death. Yeah. So there's, there's some pretty bad marks going in under his page. He's lost two kings now. Yeah. It, he's, he's, he's not good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not really that good at his job. And like for someone who had so much promise as a young child, he's kind of, you know, he lost that battle to Rob Stark. He gets taken prisoner. He gets his hand cut off. He gets sent back to King's Landing. He loses another king. He betrays his oath by killing the first king. Like, he's not very good at the things. <laughs> yeah, he's not very good at his job. He's not even good at trying to murder little boys. You know, he only succeeded in paralyzing a little boy, so... Yeah, in his defense, he the, the, he, he tried. He was trying very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so so he gives uh, Brianna Tarth the steel, the Valyrian steel sword, and he tells her uh, it's it was forged out of Ned Stark's sword. Use it to protect his kids. Arya might be dead, but Sansa's out there somewhere. Protect her. 
And he also made something else for her. He or got something else for her. Got her th- this awesome armor that she that she will she will fight for Lady Catelyn Stark, and she will find uh she will find she will do what she can to find the Sansa and help her. And then he almost forgot. Oh, he even mentions Arya probably dead, but still try to find her. Exactly. That's what we uh, Arya probably dead. And he said he has one more gift for him, and he gives him uh, gives him Pod for her. For her for yes, her. It, but the him <laughs> is the him is uh, the same mistake Pod made. That's why I said it. That's exactly why I said it. <laughs> he uh, Pod made the same mistake. It says uh, yes, sir, but he gives her Pod for Tyrion. Uh, Tyrion owes uh, Pod a debt, so he wants to. He wants uh, her, him to be safe. So he and get- tell me how how awesome was this moment? I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I wanted nothing more than to see these two ride off together. <laughs> this is another great, uh, great setup for two characters that are are going to be great. I think we I think we're going to see good things out of these two along the road. Yeah, I'm excited I'm excited for this. We are we already saw some cool stuff with her being like he's going to slow me down. I don't want him and and it's she's what, it's it's exactly the opposite of the hound in Arya. Yeah. Uh, cuz I think these two will definitely uh, like she'll come to really appreciate Podrick and really appreciate cuz he's the best squire in the Seven Kingdoms. Yep. Oh, and tell me doesn't isn't Bronn like isn't he just so precious giving Tyrion giving giving the axe to him, Tyrion's axe? Yeah, and want, Blackwater. And wanting to give him a kiss. Wanting to give him a kiss. He's like, Oh, ready the I'm gonna give you a kiss, Pod. He taught cause Pod taught him the way of the ladies, how to how to how to have sex with hookers without having to pay. <laughs> you know, what are you waiting for a kiss? Yeah. Saddle up the lady's horse, you bastard. And uh and as we learned from uh, from the hound, cunts like to name their swords. So uh J- so Jamie's like Jamie's like, uh, what are you gonna name the sword? So, cause, cause Jamie's a cunt, and so is, uh, and so is Brianna apparently. So, uh, she decides to name the sword Oathkeeper, which is our the title of the episode. So, uh, so the, the sword has been called Oathkeeper, which I think is very appropriate for Ned for a Ned Stark sword to be called uh, well, Oathkeeper. For the for the changes too that we've seen in Brian in Brian's way of thinking about who Jamie is as a person. She wanted him dead when they first met, just as, as you know, of course, she was only going to do what what Catelyn Stark ever wanted, but she was not a fan of Jamie's. She would have had him no. killed. She no. would have killed no. him herself if she, if she could. If she could not but fight. But now she thinks of him as the way we're supposed to be thinking of him at this point, which was kind of... Yeah, we, yeah, 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 yeah but, but, but whatever. I, but, well, I, I'm pretending it didn't happen. Because it seems like this episode wanted to pretend that it didn't happen, so we'll, we'll pretend that it didn't happen. Okay, I can do that. So we go to Sam, everyone's favorite, and uh, and we see Sam saying he never should have taken Gilly to uh, to Mole Town. Uh, that could be the next place that the Wildlings attack. He knows how hard it is. He's gonna leave and go get her and bring her back, but they can't leave because Castle Black's shut down. And we find out in this scene that John does know about Bran. And uh, and Sam tried to get them to come back, but but how fast can a cripple with a sled and a simpleton be? <laughs> I love how John Snow's just like, well, how fucking fast can a cripple with a sled and a simpleton go? And they basically <laughs> they basically figure out that Bran's probably close to where Craster's Keep is, and uh, and uh, Locke says uh, Locke comes in, which is, and, which is we find out is about sixty miles away from sixty the, miles from away Locke. exactly, and. Uh, and snow basically comes up. We talk, I forgot to mention this before. Uh, 
the the uh, the head of the Night's Watch guy, uh, the, the acting head of the Night's Watch. I forget that guy's name. That really has a hard on for Jon Snow. Uh, comes Al- Alistair. Alistair, I think, comes down while he's training the men and goes, "You're you're no trainer. You're a friggin." You're you're a bus boy. Go clean the dishes, Jon Snow. You're you're a piece of shit. Get out of here. You're you're not the leader. And his and that guy's little number one uh, goes to him. Well, goes, that guy's little number one, if you remember, is the guy that um that Tywin sent to the Wall, who was also responsible with the head of the King's Guard when Eddard Stark's head got cut off. When um, so he sent him to the Wall. So he's someone that's really so he has brain. So he has brains. He's so he smartly tells him that he should allow Jon Snow to go to Craster's Keep because Jon Snow is too popular. And if he doesn't watch out, Jon Snow is going to end up becoming the leader of the Night's Watch because everybody likes him. So you better do something and get this guy killed. So send him alone. Have him do a one-man mission or say he has to build his own team and don't give anyone any orders, which is basically what he tells Jon Snow. He goes, he goes, you can go in this Craster mission, go get everybody because this is really important, but but I'm not it's, ordering anybody to go. You need to get your own soldiers. So in right. it's interesting to point it's just interesting to point out too that even in this uh in this society up at the Black Wall that's autonomous from the Lord structure of Westeros and all that, that even when this guy is sent here to the wall from from King's Landing, he immediately takes his place at the head of the table with all the other yeah. you know, higher born people that have committed crimes and been sent to the wall. He's not sitting down on the floor with everybody else in the chambers and eating eating in the common with everybody. He's privileged. He's he does still retain, you know, money i'm sure people send him stuff from from home and things like that it's just interesting to point that out that not everybody at the wall is equal like they try to say like he's well he when he stops john snow from training the um all just just the regular soldiers right he said you're a steward you're not a you're not a, a warrior class you're a steward get the go empty the potty chambers you know so it's just interesting to show that when you do come from money and stuff like that, you can, you can take your seat at the, at the head, but he just had, this guy had a heart on him right from the beginning. So he became a, he was made a steward and, you know, instead of a, a fighter and all this other stuff. So Jon Snow tells all the soldiers what he's doing. He says 60 miles, Mance Raiders in there, etc. a lot of stuff. Survival, we might not survive, but we can't let Mance find these guys because if they do find these guys, they're going to tell them all our defenses and we're screwed. Uh, Mormont was our dad and he was killed, stabbed in the back by cowards. He deserves better. Let's bring justice. Who will join me? True Stark fashion gets this like rousing speech. Freedom! And, uh... And all these guys stand up and to go with him, a bunch of guys, like five or six guys. And uh, Locke stands up, too. And uh, Jon Snow's like, you can't go. You're a recruit. And he goes, well, I'll take the damn oath. I don't care. I'll, you need someone that can fight. I'll go with you. And uh, Stephanie, who was watching the episode with me, goes, I don't trust that guy. And I go, uh, that's because you shouldn't trust that guy. He's, uh, he's a horrible guy. Uh, <laughs> he's a bad guy. Good, good call on that one. He's the, you should not trust him. And, uh, and then, uh, that's, that's it there. We go right from there to a guy sitting down and, uh, drinking wine out of the skull of, uh, of, uh, our former leader of the night watch. (laughs) And, uh, and it's the guys at Craster's Keep. And this is one of those things that how this is shown here is completely different. 
from the books. This isn't this isn't as detailed in the books at all. This was completely who, who's this character? Who's this guy we meet here? The leader of these guys. Do we know his name? Uh, I don't think we do know his name. I don't think it's really that important. I don't think he's going to last long enough for it to matter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's this wasn't. You know, it's interesting to point out again. This is. None of this stuff happens in the book. No, no. This it's 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 this is completely created for the show, and I like it. I think I think yeah, it was done. I, like it. I think it was done really well, and because uh, you really really quickly set up set up hate for this guy. You don't. It it's there's no messing around. You hate this guy really quick, and you see why. It's a guy drinking out of the skull of Mormon. He's saying. Uh, Joe mentioned this line earlier. Fuck them all. Fuck them. Keep raping these girls rape them till they die and he's beating rape them till they're dead rape them till they're dead rape them till they're dead yeah they're beating and, they're, and, they're, and, and in the room there's like four or five of Craster's daughter wives all naked tits out being raped all bruised and yeah. battered and that's exactly what they're doing they're basically do we before. learn really quick that these are just some evil guys some evil crazy dudes at wit's end that have been holding off that have been in the night's watch for too long and have been like holding out this crazy for a while and there's a lot of shit talk about how this guy is the best killer and everything like that how uh how j- just Damn, just last week Rapa, 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 Thief, Rapa, Rapa, Thief, Rapa, and Thief. Yep. That's exactly who all these people at the Black Watch are. They're the rapers and the thieves and the murderers of, of all of Westeros that have been sent there. And it's not, of course, what? Mormon was our dad. What, we're murderers, thieves, and rapists. Of course we killed them. Yep. And this this new guy, this new enemy that we're supposed to hate, our new must twirling mustache bad guy, uh, is uh, talks about how he killed all, lots of knights. They're just cowards that wear too much armor. And he's trying to get this guy to go out and uh, feed the beast. And this one of the other one of the other Night's Watch guys that we've uh, that we've known for a little while. I don't know his name, but and and he's like, no, 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 no. And, and this guy's basically like, you want me to kill you? You're gonna challenge me to a fight? Do you think you could win? And this guy's like, no, you'd kill me. Don't, 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 don't worry about it. And then right as this has happened, we're interrupted by by this woman running in that a baby was born and it's a boy. It's uh, one of Craster's son, Craster's last child. And everyone is freaking out, kind of going into chants, going, give it to the gods, give it to the gods, or kill it, kill it, kill it. And this guy walks up and he goes with his knife to stab the baby. And they're like, no, no, that's not what you do. He he assumes that they mean just kill it right away, just kill it, kill it. Yeah. But they... They're very, they say, no, we didn't just kill the babies. We gave them, we offered them to the gods. Yep, and he's like the god. He's like, oh, you mean the whites. Yeah, the white walkers. And he goes, okay, fine, we'll give it to the White Walkers. And he tells the uh, the little chubby guy to go bring it to the uh, White Walkers. So this guy goes outside and just puts the baby down in the middle of the snow. And he, we also see him walking and giving some meat to uh, to Ghost. Ghost is cap. They have goats captured by these guys. What would you say? What, what kind of meat was that? It looked like human meat. It might have been. It might have been. It might have been dead Craster's daughter. Or dead, dead Mormon and dead Craster. Yeah. Jesus. So, uh, so, dead soldiers, like, there's a lot of cannibalism going on. I mean, it's interesting to point out where else are they getting food? Once they go through all of Craster's pigs, there's not going to be any food left in the, the north of the wall. That's pretty barren, desolate. 
right now. Winter's coming. Winter's yeah. already set in pretty bad north of the wall. It's always winter. Yeah, it's always winter north of the wall. But but winter's really coming as we see it a couple of moments. Like right when he drops the baby, you see that real winter's coming sort of feel come into the air where the White Walkers are about. And uh, we go from there to him giving the meat to and kind of fucking with Ghost. And Ghost still scares him in a cage. Ghost is still a badass and uh, and and scares this guy and jumps at him. So finally, we go to Hodor. We we get a Hodor sighting. And I uh, lost Joe. Joe's having a little bit of technical difficulties. We apologize for some of the uh, the intermittent audio that's coming right now. Well. But I will keep talking and keep going, and uh, Joe will get back here in a second. So we go to Hoarder and Br- Hodor, 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 Hodor and Bran and company, and they're there with a baby crying, and they can hear the baby crying. And Bran's like, "I'm gonna go see what's going on. I gotta, I gotta check out this situation. I gotta, I gotta see what the situation is." And uh, they're like, no, we need to stick together. And he's like, no, I, I mean, I don't, that's not what I mean. I need to, uh, I'm going to go in and, uh, and do my thing. I'm going to do my warging. So he, uh, he jumps, in, jumps into the mind of the dire wolf and he goes off into uh, wolf vision. We get a little bit of wolf vision. Let's see if I can get some wolf vision up here with the, the camera. I was going to change, I was going to change the, uh, Oh yeah, dun, 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 wolf vision. So we get the wolf vision, and and uh, he goes and he sees uh, he sees the cage and he sees that uh, ghost is trapped and uh, and but he also gets trapped. The dire wolf gets trapped. Their summer gets trapped. So they scout out Craster's Keep to go save the two dire wolves. And they deduced that if uh, John was there, the wolf wouldn't be in a cage. They're obviously keeping the wolf alive to try to lure John there. And 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 the girl that's there, one of the Rileys, I believe they're called, is really is really getting the feeling like this is a dangerous situation. She's she can size this up post wolf vision wolf vision situation. She can really feel that this uh that these people have a little that they're dangerous she's like we should get the hell out of here now uh these people these people are are what what right now and and brand yes yeah looking at looking at them from outside the camp hell yeah they should be gone yeah there's no way we're not leaving without summer uh we should be leaving right now hopefully we can leave with just ourselves yeah she's she smartly knows that they're in they're in they're in the shit as gordon ramsay would say we're in the shit in the kitchen tonight right now well, yeah, she she is pretty smart and they made this even more evident in the in than in the books where they're kind of sent to winterfell by the by you know to to learn just to be at winterfell this feels more like they were sent by the lord of the the, the bog area mm-hmm. that they're from actually go be with Bran. I think their father is the guy that was with Eddard Stark when he had Jon Snow. The only person that knows the identity of Jon Snow. So these are smart kids. They were trusted to go there by the lord of that little area and and So then, unfortunately, she gets an axe to the back of the head, and they captured them. They saw the kids there. Whether you think it was the giant or the kid in the 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 cripple kid out there, I don't know. Whatever reason, they spotted them, and uh, Hodor. 
Hodor. Hodor. And we see that Hodor starts getting beat. We get like Hodor violence, Hod on Hodor violence. This really made me sad. I Hodor. Yeah, it was it was very sad. It was very sad. We got many different shades. He he definitely is a giant Pokemon. Hodor. <laughs> Pika Hodor. He's not a, a bad bone in his body though. He didn't even no like real attempt to defend himself. No, no. And and one of the guys says to him says to him that if uh if he was his size, he would rule the seven kingdoms. And uh, so we get Bran and the uh, these people called the Rileys. Is that their last name? Um, they're no. Um, I don't think it's the Rileys. I forget. I forget what their name is. And uh, they go to face to face. People really. They're from like this Martian fog area, like a, a New Orleans ish area, north of north of the Twins, but south of Winterfell. There's this big area. Joe, I know. I know the just read the reeds. Yeah, the, reeds, the reeds, the reeds, not the rallies, the reeds. Thank you. So uh, that's, and that's a, a, they don't have like an actual, their town is always moving. The area is always flooding and they stay hidden in this area that they're from. Uh, in that foggy area. So yeah, that's the reason they come. So and then they become, they end up face to face with the leader guy and uh, the, the head bad guy. Here and uh, he he deduces that Bran has the nice fine leather and uh, that he's not a wildling. He must be from highborn something. And he, Bran doesn't say anything. He keeps his mouth shut like a true Stark. He knows how to keep his mouth shut. And and he gets his ass kicked. He gets he actually hits Bran in the face. Oh, don't. <laughs> And he's like, you know, if if we were back in uh, Westeros, I could go to, you know, I'd get my head chopped off for hitting a highborn kid, but here I can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he condemned to life at the wall. He can never go back to where he's from. He knows it's either death or live there across his keep until he dies. So yeah, the future. And he's kind of lamenting about that. I used to be somebody. He's drinking in that scene before. He's drinking. You talked about the uh, the wolf and everything. Yes, yeah. Oh, so like, you know, he's drinking from the skull and he's lamenting. I used to be somebody, and I was I I could kill any man. I got seven silver per kill while I was in King's Landing. Yeah, oh, good good for you. That's yeah. What are you now? You're hanging out in Craster's Keep in a rape shack. Yeah, good for you, buddy. Beating on cripples, right? Yeah, beating know? on cripples. Yeah, good for you. And uh, <laughs> rape shack. And he's like, I like your curls. And he starts messing with uh, the sister Reed. And he starts messing with the sister. And he goes to Bran, you've never played this game, right? And in meaning, like, you've never played the I'm going to threaten your friends game. And right there, the other the boy goes down the ground going into a seizure. And she and she's, like, trying to get to him. And this guy's got a knife to her neck and is about to cut, cut his throat. And, he, and Bran, to save the day, screams out, I'm Stark. My name's Bran Stark, Stark of Winterfell. And uh, and this guy goes, ho, 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 ho. And I thought this was going to be a horrible day. Because uh, he just thinks, now not do I not just have his dire wolf, now I have John's brother. And this is the moment where he refers to him. Uh, one of his guys, the uh, his little underling guy that he was fucking with before, says, this is John Stark's brother. Right. That's so Yeah, they met. They definitely met. Definitely met Jon Snow, for whatever reason. 
they chose to write that in the script to call him John Stark or it was an actor's choice. I don't know why they called him John Stark there. It was weird, but it just made me think of the professional uh, Knicks ex-basketball player, John Stark. I was like, I was like, oh, well, well, am I watching Knicks basketball? Am I playing a video game? So we go from what we had wolf vision before to to baby vision and it's the baby vision watching as a walker's taking the baby to walker camp. We're actually going to get to see where the white walkers are from. We're going to get to see we're we're from a white walker's perspective here it seems. None of this. Yep. And we get the and I was just in awe. I thought it was beautiful. I liked it I liked it to a point. I liked it to a point. I'll get to what I didn't like in a second. And so the, so the walker's taken the baby up and carried it off and put on a little platform, little like religious looking platform. And uh, we're at the White Walker's Fortress of Solitude, it looks like. And they, they put it up uh, where they're about to put, Kalel, I take this baby and I'm going to make you uh, make you the son of Krypton. No, I'm, I'm kidding. That didn't, I, I did think it looked a little a little uh, Fortress of Solitude-ish, but it's got to. It's icy. It looked good. It looked good. Across yeah, between stone men. In the Fortress of Solitude, Stonehenge of the Fortress of Solitude, and we, and we saw a, like sort of a group of White Walkers. It looked like almost a uh, a higher a higher up the hierarchy of them. Beyond the circle of Icehenge was probably the others. Yeah, because we got to remember there's two different. There's the Wildlings, which are people. There are the white walkers, which are dead people that have been brought back to death from death. And then there are the others who presumably control the white walkers. Interesting. Okay. But this was our first time of really getting to see many of this. And then someone walks over, takes off their head, and it's dark. It looks like ice Darth Maul. <laughs> that yeah. was the... That was the weird looking. That was the one thing it, to me. It looked. It looked. It reminded me of Darth Maul, or very devil looking. Like look like it looked kind of devilish, and uh, and takes its little pinky and puts the pinky down onto the baby's head. Little takes its little finger and puts it on the head, and that baby's eyes turn ice, and it turns into a little mini Mister Freeze, and uh, the baby becomes one of them. So I guess we get to see how the others are created, not just. Creation of another. Yep. So I think that's a, a, this is what I like about it. We don't get anything in the book or in the TV show past really them taking the baby from Craster's Keep. And then in the very beginning, when we see that those guys from the black get decimated by another, you know, we get a little bit with Sam at Craster's Keep, but this actually goes into a little bit of the lore. It's a teaser. It reminds us that there is this big threat coming from yep. the north that's not just the wildlings. It's what Mance Raider is afraid of, what he's trying to flee from, why he's gathered all the wildlings together in the first place. And I guess I I guess I feel like we've we needed this because I feel like we've been very short on White Walker stuff since we've seen the army marching. I mean, we saw an army marching and then we haven't really gotten back gone right, back to them. The black the night's watch up at the fist of the old men. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess we did hear about we did hear about that. But so that that is our episode this week. That's the post episode recap of Game of Thrones Oathkeeper. I think it was a very good episode. The last couple episodes have been uh been 
I think this was this wasn't my favorite episode of the season so far, but this is damn close. I loved everything well, we that happened no in this episode. Ari in it, which was uh, yeah, so, I love the Ari and the Hound scene, so I was a little disappointed with that. I could have used another some more of that, but and the, other than that, great, we, great episode. And I, I like the pacing of it, how we went from one situation to the next situation. I guess I could have used a little bit more Danny. Right, Danny, too. Danny was a little light, but I like the no Stannis. Thank you. And I like making the Sam short. But I feel like we're not getting enough Jon Snow. I think, But I have a feeling we're due for a big Jon Snow episode with the Crash Just Keep stuff. Right. They just set that up. And um, I don't believe... I think that'll be good if we get uh, Bran to meet Jon. Yeah, it looks like that might happen. It looks like we might be getting a Stark reunion of some so- some sorts. So everyone, I want to thank you for checking out this week's episode. We'll be back next week to talk more about it. Sorry for some of the technical difficulties. We'll get the mic situation. There was a little problem with the audio tonight. I could hear with tick, tick, tick in. It had to do with our connection issues, but it, but we will figure it out. But I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in this week. We've got a lot of live viewers tonight and uh, we appreciate all you guys checking out the episode and it will be available on the website issuesprogram.com for download if you want to get it that way or you can always check the YouTube video. Please, when you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this, comment away. Let us know what you think of what we what we're saying let us know what you thought about the episode any questions you got we try to get to every single comment throughout the week if we can we really again we really appreciate your support your engagement hit the subscribe if you haven't done it already if you've gotten to this point in the podcast big hug to you and a kiss to you we like to give you more we're going to bring you more episode recaps as we go on there'll be lots a lot more fun coming up here joe thank you this week for joining me thank you again i will talk to you guys next week we'll be back bye